have to leave them come to you now, God. Asking for you to do what you did in the Bible. God, let us as your people see your hand in 2018 in our lives. God, let the sick be healed in our day and time, God. Let the blind see the sight in our day and time, God. God, we're asking you right now to do that to us. Because your Bible showed us that you can do it. God, we just ask this right now in Jesus' name.
put a paradox in time. Man, for those of you that ain't big time college students, you like me, you have to go into the dictionary and find out what paradox is. Let me, let me read you the definition. Paradox is a statement or a proposition that despite sound or apparently sound, reasoning from acceptance, acceptable premises, leads to a conclusion that seems senseless, logically unacceptable, or self-contradictory. When we're dealing with God, he throws these paradoxes in time that on the, on the surface for you and me just shouldn't be, shouldn't make sense. It, it don't go that way. It, it shouldn't happen that way. And it's shown in the story that I read to you to open up this conversation with you. When Jesus says to the crowd, he says that the girl is not dead, but she's asleep. I hope y'all get this today. How can Jesus say to me, this thing is not dead, when everything that I see in my natural sight says it's dead? It's not breathing, it's not moving, it's not doing what I'm doing. So surely this thing is not beneficial to me. Surely this thing cannot be real. Surely this thing cannot be accurate. Surely this thing cannot be effective. Surely this thing cannot be efficient because watch this, it's not moving. And that don't make sense for God to tell me, watch this in his word, Curtis, that a dead thing can still have life. And that a, li a living thing has to die. That don't make sense, God. Why would you want to challenge my thinking like that? Why would you want to stretch my faith like that? And here's the wake-up call for a lot of you. That's the whole purpose. is to strengthen your faith. So that the next time, when life hits you for real, because watch this, you think life hits you because you're dealing with something dead in the house. The dead thing ain't in the house ain't even a real test on your life yet. The stuff that's going on in your marriage ain't even a real test of your faith. The, the, the issues with, with your academics or the problem with your money is not really the issue. You, you're the one tripping because you only got $2.50 in your bank account. And God is sitting back laughing at you because he said to you, do I not take care of the Pharaoh who has no means of taking care of itself? If I do that for them, then as the son says, surely I can do that for you. But when you are immature in your faith, $2.50, seems like a long hole to come out of. It seems like a long walk that you got to take to get back to at least $25.22. Just $2.50, $25, that's a long walk, brother. And if I ain't seeing it, especially if I ain't got no job or if my car just broke down two weeks ago and the man that told me that to get the car fixed, it cost $275.82, and you up here telling me I shouldn't be tripping about $2.50, brother, that don't make sense. When you come to know God and how God operates in time, mm. you don't trip about what's missing. You realize who's with you while you're going through what you're going through. And for many young people, that's the other issue of faith. Because you don't know the one who's walking with you, you don't know the things that comes with him. And so as time plays out, you get confused and you start tripping and you start sweating and you start questioning and God says to you, I shall never leave you nor forsake you. The problem though in that, 
Teresa, is that what most people leave, though, God. Most people walk away, God. Last boyfriend I had when I lost my job, he backed up and left me. Last time I told my mama I ain't got enough for the rent, she kicked me out. Last time that the, 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 uh, the, the, the manager uh, of my department found out that I was going to be late 15 minutes, he fired me. God, normally when something is not in place that should be in place, people leave. And so then the challenge in the mind is that for me, God, everything I know about me is missing, so why would you stay with me? My daddy left me because him and my mama weren't on good terms. So God, surely as my daddy left me, something was wrong with me. Something ain't quite right with me. And so if he left, surely God, if he was made in your image and he, was, he came from you like I came from you, then surely like him, God, he would leave me. And out of immaturity, you don't understand the difference between man and God. Out of immaturity, you don't understand the difference between Christ and man, and that's the other part of the story that is so relevant unto you. They missed the fact that it was the Lord. They missed it. Y'all don't believe me though. Y'all think I'm playing. And it's in this story. It's a paradox in this story because watch this. I've already walked you through the fact that he returned to Capernaum, right? Walked in, came into Capernaum, and he did it for four friends and a lame friend. He did that. He healed Peter's mother-in-law. But then watch this. He dealt with demons. He had gave sight to the blind. He took the afflicted and made them strong. And the Bible says, according to last week's story, after that, he went to a place called Nain, and there was a woman with a son who was dead. And after all of that, Jesus had the audacity to do something, watch this, that he had never done before. Because before Nan, for all of y'all that need to get strong in your word, before Nan, nobody from the dead had arisen. What that says to you and me about Jesus is don't go off of other things that you've heard or seen in other people's life. That just means you ain't got to the chapter in your life where you can see God do something miraculous and, and different with you. He went from Capernaum to Nain. And in the journey of 25 miles, as I told y'all, he met a woman in her twilight. The darkest point of her day, when her child has to be buried, and watch this, she had nobody to help her for real. She had a future that was a promising dead end, and so what do you do in that moment but, but give up, walk away, try, try again next time, or just, just ball up into a corner, don't want to come out the house, don't want to talk to nobody, don't want to don't want to hear nothing about the Lord, don't want to, I just want to be to myself. But because of her culture, it was expected of her to get up out the situation and walk that thing to the burial ground so that she could look like she was strong. But time was playing with her. Time was playing with her. And the Bible tells me and you that in all of this, all of this that was going on, him going through Capernaum, uh, that he would then, watch this, go through some teaching moments yeah. with the folks after he left Nain. Everybody, because watch this, when you read the story of Jesus, I need you to understand, the more he did and the more he taught, the more people came. 
That's the all y'all deep folks that don't think churches should grow. That's a lie. When the gospel is being preached, it should draw people in. But watch this. Part of the growth process, James, requires the people that are impacted by the word or the miracle to go tell a friend. See, church folks don't like that because they just like coming to church selfishly and just hearing what the Lord got to say to them. No, sweetheart, let me help y'all. If God really did something for you, and you know that there's somebody around the corner from you, or you know that there's just somebody out there in the street who was one who was like you once were, then God expects for you to take that word that he just imparted in your life and for you to share it with them and say, look, I know a man who gave sight to the blind. I know a man who healed with his hands. I know a man who took a dead son and brought him back to life. I know a man, and that's the question that I have to some of y'all in here because part of your struggle with evangelism is you don't know the man. You can't talk about somebody that you don't know for real. But the crowd grew, and, and, and he did a series like old Broderick do at the common, Dion. His series was a little more stronger, probably a lot more anointed than Broderick. But watch this. He took these folks through a series of teachings. Okay? He took them through some teachings, y'all, where he said to them, he talked about four souls, uh, souls of ground, types of ground, four types of ground. In Matthew, he, he goes on and he tells them about uh, the the uh, the lamp that they're called to be. Uh, Matthew tells us. But what says he then starts Teresa unpacking what the kingdom of God is like, and he talks about seeds that grow. Again, obviously that's the other part that messes us up. Us church folk that just like sitting in them seats and thinking we're supposed to stay in them seats. The one thing about the kingdom of God, according to what Jesus teaches, is that anything that's planted in it should grow. So here's the struggle, though. Here's the struggle, Scott. That means that every time you sit your behind in this garden, if you ain't producing no green leaves, then you ain't planted right. That's, that's the truth. Because he said the kingdom of God is like this. But in that, watch this. He set them up, though, Travis. He set them up because before he told them about the kingdom of God being like this, you know, these fruitful things, he said, but there's some grounds that some folks are, are stuck in. There's some ground where seeds are sown and life comes up and people, after the preacher and preach, they just kind of come up and, and take it away. That's just, that's, just, that's just the reality of life. But he goes on and he says, but now while this is the kingdom and, and there should be fruit, he also said that there are weeds yeah. in the kingdom. Folks who come to church for no reason, just to start confusion, just to be getting clicked, just to be standoffish, just to be funny acting, just to see if God is really who God is. And here is the wake up call for somebody in here. If that is you, then baby, why are you, do you not know what's awaiting you? And, and that's the part should, that, should, that should unsettle you. That's the part that should get you out your seat. When you hear people sing the songs of glory, when you hear the song, song about Calvary, you, you ought to be asking yourself, am I feeling what I should be feeling? And if I'm not feeling what I should be feeling, then what, I, what do I need to do next? Because I need something different the next time I come here. I need something to be actually produced out of me the next time I walk in here. Because if I'm the same dead leaf, if I'm the same ungrowing child, then what's the purpose of me coming here? I might as well pack up my bed and go straight to hell from this point because there ain't nothing in me. There are weeds, he says. There's growth, he says. But watch this. Here's the part that's important. He says that you have to have 
faith the size of a mustard seed for those of you that get it for real. That, that agricultural conversation comes from Jesus, y'all, while he's taking these folks oh, to this next time moment. He, he teaches them about mustard seed faith. And see, some of us are, are funny in that we twist God's mustard seed faith when we want to call blessings blessings that are not really blessings. It, it didn't take a lot for you to lie. I just trusted in the Lord. No, you lied from the Lord. I, I, I just believed in him. No, you didn't believe in him. You believed in the person you got it from. The kingdom is like a mustard seed, he says. He, he says that the kingdom... Uh, it's like, watch this, Chris. He said the kingdom is like a hidden treasure. Something that's hidden that, that people got to search and find. That, that's what it's about. That's what the kingdom is like. And he says the last one, he says the kingdom is like a fishing net. Something that has to be cast out to draw people in. They ain't going to get it, James. For all those folks that just come to church and don't bring nobody. Where is your net? I'm going to get you to do it for me, Lord, part, because that's what folks, most folks come to church for. But this is my teaching moment. You are supposed to be a net-carrying believer. You are supposed to be a net-carrying believer. But the unfortunate truth for most of us of the faith is that we carry bats and knives. All we want to do is cut on folks. All we want to do is beat down on somebody. All we want to do is cut up somebody without words. All we want to do is say that they the ones acting funny, that they the ones that ain't right. And the reality is, who? how can you draw them in when you got your issues? So do you really want the kingdom? It's the point of the lesson from Nan to this little area that was near the Lake of Galilee that time creates for God to do what only he can do. It's a paradox, though. Jay, it's a, it's a paradox because in Mark 5, verse 35, it says a messenger arrived from the home of Jarvis, the star of our story, the leader of the synagogue, and he told him, your daughter is dead. There is no use troubling the teacher now. Mark 5 and 35. What do you do when you've been kind? Looking for God to do something for you. And on your way back, the thing that you came to him for died. What do you do? What do you do? Let me, let me take some advice from, from a person. Anybody in the worship team, what do you do when you go to God and ask him for something, but then on your way back, the thing that you went to God for died? What do you do? What do you do? Anybody in the worship. Answer how you want to answer, teacher. It's okay to ask. It's you trust me, but answer that with those two, but it's withdrawal is the answer. There you go. Withdrawal. So, what, so you, you withdraw typically, right? Amen? Let's, come on, let's talk. Let's talk. I'm, I'm really about to do something different. Thank you. Uh, I mean, thank you uh, for that. You withdraw. Your wife talking about me, Curtis. I just said Phyllis. That means she's talking about me. Hope this is this time. <laughs> you withdraw. Why do people withdraw from God? Well, somebody spoke to me for you. Say it again. It was right here. Say it, girl. What, what? It's the easiest thing to do. How easy is it to walk away from God? 
And then how is it easy to walk away from God but you can't walk away from sin? When I was young, I used to say this as a foolish child. I used to say, it's so hard to do right, it's so easy to do wrong. That's the most foolish statement that ever came out of my mouth. And if you are one like me, then shame on you too. How hard is it to not be distracted or be dismayed when life is happening? Because watch this. Most of us, if we were to be honest, sin can flat foot hurt you. And you will you hold on to your sin like a fool holding on to his last dime. possible that the reason why we, that we pull away, the reason why we run is because we have not found true value in God yet. And if you haven't found value in God yet, my question to you is, what are you trying to do different to get it? How much time are you spending with him to truly understand the value of the relationship that comes with him? Because time is always going to put stuff before you that causes you to really examine your faith. This is where I'm at, y'all. And this story going to make it clear for you. But typically, we, we, we run. We, we, we go away. And to, uh, to the room, according to the room, it's easy to do that. It's easy to run away from God. Which then also suggests in the value, you don't think that it's significant for you to hold on. Somewhere in your psyche, you believe that by letting go of God, the condition that he would rather see you in is a fallen state. Now the question to the room is, do you think God wants to see you fall? I'll speak up, speak up, saints. Okay, so you, so everybody in here agrees that God don't want you to fall. Everybody agrees with that? So that, watch this, so for everybody who uses this excuse that I'm about to recite and quote, you in trouble. Well, I'm only hearing this. God know my heart. That statement is out the window if you just said that God does not want to see you fall. Then if, watch this, based on what you just said, if God doesn't want to see you fall, but he wants to see you stand, then what are you doing that's causing the fall to happen? What are you doing? Say it again. Not spending time. Not spending time with him. Let's, let's do it. Let's do a Sunday. Be honest. Because here's the part that threw me out of our church first, folks. They will swear for God that they love him. But they don't talk to him. You know what I'm saying? They will take a break on Sunday. As if they do a God a favor. And then watch this. They'll misquote scripture and say, well, he said we should rest. <laughs> When if you understand the purpose of the temple, the synagogue, the gathering, 
This place was created not for you to abandon or forsake it, but for you to come in so you can be so it can be brought back to you in your remembrance the things that God said and the things that God did so that you can live right. But we will abandon and we'll blame it on humanity. I'm only human. I'm, not, I'm in this mess of God. God knows what he made when he made me. Now here go the part. Here go the part. You ready? You ready, sir? About the mess of Mr. Dow. If that statement is true, when he says of Jeremiah, because that's the church folk favorite scripture, I know the thoughts that I have for you, say the Lord. That the, that, that's the quote right there. They did it on youth day 10 years in a row when they were young. If that be true, then God has a thought of you. Watch this. If you read the scripture in its totality, Dion, you tell me if I'm wrong, he says, my plan for you is to prosper you. Which did, watch this, eliminate everybody that said it's okay to fall. If you know God, then you know that God doesn't want you to fall, and he's not wanting you to fall, he created a plan. What's the plan? Anybody in the back? What's God's plan for you? Anybody in the back? What's his plan? Here you go. Say it again, Mary. Mm. Prosperity that requires accountability and responsibility. All right. Okay. Accountability and responsibility to a plan that will prosper you. So what Tamara's saying to y'all is that most of us fail in this thing because the plan that God has for us, we don't want to be accountable to the plan. And then in that lack of accountability, we don't want to take any responsibility for our actions when we don't follow the plan. Oh, y'all missed that. That was my long name. Oh, I did. Nobody wants to be responsible or accountable to God. How true is that in life? Say it again, part of family. Say it again. Very true. Now, here's the issue in the room. If that be true, then why are we here? What does Sunday do for you if you don't want it for real? Because watch this. Everybody can identify with this story from this perspective. You got something in your life that's dead and you want God to bring it to life. Whether it's a career or a boo or, or a job or something, it's dead, Lord, I need you to do that for me. That's the Sunday ritual. We come to church and we want God to do it for me. God, do Woo! Do it, Lord. And then we in our mind think we're supposed to do this. Because that's what we God do be fast. And then God is moved by your movements. Let me help you with that. God operates not in time, but in eternity. So watch this. Even in his plan for you, his plan is not about you prospering here. 
prosper to the beginning song where you can stand before him and he can say, Servant, well done. Yeah. Oh, Brian, you mean tell me I've been coming to church all these Sunday school mornings and all I get is a heaven. Shoot, I thought God came with the plug. I thought he, you know what I'm saying, he's good credit and he's green and all the church folks get good cars. That's what I see. The saying don't make sense, though. The plan don't make sense. That's the paradox, y'all, that I, I need y'all to understand. This, this plan that God has for you to be blessed goes against everything that in your natural concept makes sense. He takes the unlikely things and makes them likely. That's why he says to you and me, you need to seek my face. Because watch this, in your natural way of thinking, you're automatically going to gravitate to what's naturally good for you. When God's plan, if you roll it back, his plan and purpose is never for the benefit of you. Your life is a sacrifice for other people. So when the benefits of knowing God are not displayed solely on you, but on the people who God used and had watched you. That's it. I thought I was going to be all, you know, animated today on TV, but I, I got to teach today. I just got to teach it. So the room is clear, Matthew. Thanks to the narrative that we don't want to be responsible or accountable to the plan. Right? And so because of that, there are still dead things in our lives. Right? So now let me help you through the story. What do you do, Roderick, if that's the truth for you? If that's your, your fact, if that's your unsettling truth. Watch this. Bible says, verse 35, while he was speaking, people came from the synagogue leader house and said, your daughter is dead. Why bother the teacher anymore? Here's my word for somebody in here. I, I get you. Watch this. Jarius was a synagogue leader. Okay? Church folks don't like trouble. He was a synagogue leader. That means just that he was the point person. That when folks came to worship on Sunday, he was the one behind the scenes making sure it happened. So that y'all can have contact, that's Teresa. The person responsible for putting this thing together so that y'all see a video and a song. Jarius' job was to meet with folks to make sure that there was somebody who prayed, make sure that the scripture was read, make sure that prayer happened. That was his job. Now, in his job, he was in a place where the people thought it was something good in him, so that's why he was the lead. Now, you would think, though, that if he's the leader, then surely nothing bad going to happen. Because he's the synagogue leader, God. That man, flat foot, come to church and do what church folks are supposed to do. His daughter shouldn't be dead. Or as he said in Matthew, at the point of death. Verse 35 says, though, that he came to Jesus. And in him being before the Lord, watch this, Jesus was talking. Here's the other problem in the story, Scott. He was talking because somebody who had an issue of 12 years jumped in front of him. This is what church folks hate. Church folks hate when an outsider come in and they get blessed before they come. How dare God do that to me? 
I done came up in here and set up this temple and I done prayed with the folks and the saints and I done sang on Sunday and God you mean to tell me I gotta lose my job, I gotta find me another car and I ain't got enough money to find another car. How dare God do that to me? The Bible says that Jesus was talking to a crowd of people and old Jarius, who watch this, Mark tells you when Jarius came to Jesus, y'all, he fell at Jesus' feet. Which says he was a worshiper. He had enough in him to know that when I'm in the presence of the Lord, I need to get on my knees. And go to lesson for some of y'all in here who got dead stuff. Before you can see anything come alive, you gotta understand your proper position before God. He fell. He fell at Jesus' knees is what the gospel writer says. You would think, Portia, that if I fall at his knees, then he should answer my prayer. But what he didn't do, lesson to all y'all runaways, when old girl with the issue of blood shows up, he didn't get lost in the crowd. Lesson, message, watch this. He did not disappear. Most of us disappear when something else is going on for somebody else. Right. We start questioning whether God is real in our lives just because God is working on another life. Yeah. Help us. Bible says that he was standing there and watch this. Jesus was talking to the crowd, not talking to me. So this is for all my believers. Who'll be like, well, God ain't said nothing to me, bro. God ain't heard God in a long time. God ain't did that for me. Will you trust him yeah. in the midst of what seems to be his silence? But the real challenge to you is while he may not be talking to you, are you paying attention to the folks he's dealing with with the issue? Because sometimes we can be so selfish that we want to understand purpose. We need to understand the prayer. God, you need to do this for me right now. And God is saying to some of us in here, I need you to be still and just stand and watch me. Because watch this. The more I do it for them, there's a guarantee that I'm going to do it for you. But that requires faith, brother. That means I got the hope that while I'm just standing there, that there's something going to fall from heaven down for me. That means I got to wait on the Lord and lean not to my own understanding while this thing falls on me and I'm flat foot watching this girl who came out of nowhere. How dare she? Is she unclean? She ain't even right with her nasty self. Don't even want to be in his righteous presence. And I'm the one that's been flat foot consecrating myself, praying like I'm supposed to pray. And you mean to tell me I can't get a breakthrough? You mean to tell me I can't see a change? This girl was 12 years in it back. And the part that most people miss in that story, watch this, is that the issue she had was God-given. That's why you church folks got to be careful because there's some stuff and some folks around you that was God-given. Yeah. And while you may not like my issue, it was an issue that God gave me. I didn't ask for it. I didn't wake up looking for it. That thing was just there. I didn't ask to come out of that woman's womb. I didn't ask to come from that man's sperm. It was what it was. And here I am, standing before the Lord, just asking him to fix me. Watch yourself, church folks. Because there are people before you with issues that before God can get to you, he's got to deal with it. <laughs> Watch it. He was talking. The Bible says, and in him talking, verse 36 says, 
Jesus overheard what was said to the synagogue leader. Old folks told him, all the, all the folks. Yeah, Jairus, I know you walked over here, you know, and you had heard about this man from Nazareth uh, supposed to hook you up with a blessing, but while you were gone, guess what? Your baby died. Listen to us. If you notice, Jairus does not say anything. He allows for the Lord to speak for him. Some of y'all are going through dead things and the thing you are doing too much is talking. Instead of sitting back and waiting on the Lord to speak on your behalf. What good is it for you to keep all this conversation going with folks that don't want to see you blessed anyway? The people that came, watch this, the people that brought the message, Dion, were paid professionals. They only came around when dead happened. They showed up for the dead stuff. They celebrated when the dead thing happened in the people's life. Child, it's time to party. They were actual professional celebrators of death. Who in here is hanging around folks that love to celebrate the dead? Because your challenge from God is stop talking and listening to their message and let me speak for you. Verse 36 says, Jesus heard. Now here's the simple instruction. Now watch this. Wait, it, it don't make sense. It's a paradox. You ready? Watch this. Watch this. I love this part. Verse 36 says, when Jesus overheard what was said, he told the synagogue leader, don't be afraid. Don't believe. Wait a minute. That's not enough. Hold on. Huh? My baby did. You mean tell me you don't want to Snap the fingers and we show up in my house real quick. It's on me? My baby dead. You mean this on me? My, my finances are gone. It's on me? This sickness is in my body. It's on me? This relationship is, is, is something I feel. It's on me? Well, what, what I got to do? Because what, what, surely it's got to be more than not being afraid and believe surely it's got to be more than that but here's the thing that you have to understand when you are afraid of what god is asking you to do you are lacking three important things to your faith power love and a sound mind you can't watch dead things come to life if you ain't got no power your fear strips the power of god from being able to work in your life so what God says to you and me is, don't be afraid. But every time I turn around, it looks like it's getting bigger. Don't be afraid. Every time I turn around, the phone calls keep coming. Don't be afraid. Every time they run a test, it looks worse and worse. Don't be afraid. Have power. Power. Love. Wait, wait, wait. Love. Wait, wait a minute. I got to endure all. I got to hope all. I got to believe all things. Why? Because love never fails according to the Bible. So you mean to tell me, God, I got to love while I'm waiting on you? I got to love the person who brings me the bad news? I got to love the condition that my problem is in? Y'all miss that. You got to love the condition that your problem is in. Love says that I hope this thing out. 
I'm in it, brother. I'm standing before God and I'm in it. You got to hope your way out of it. But wait a minute. Hope that means, wait, oh Lord, that means I got to, you mean I got to bear some stuff? When I pull it up, I got to put some on my back that I didn't ask for. God knew I didn't want it when he gave it to me. I got to bear. All right, I'm with you. You pick it up, let me hold it. Now I got to endure. Endure means that you got to move from point A to point B. Endurance does not show its true strength and you standing still. You can't show nobody you have endurance if you're standing still in the same place. Somebody got to see you pick that thing up. They got to see you put that thing on your back. But watch this. They got to see you go where you ain't never went before. I'm here. They gave me a bad news, and you want me to endure. You want me to hope my way out. God, how do I do that? That's faith. Huh? According to the Bible, faith is the assurance of hope, the substance of hope, the certainty of hope. What is faith, brother? Hope. See, it, it don't make sense, but you mean all I got to do is hope for something? But the challenge to me and you is in your hope. Are you hoping on the things that are of God and not for you? See, a lot of times the things don't work on your behalf because you ain't consulted the one who has a path to you. You're so busy trying to figure out what you can do. And when it don't work out for you, you get confused. And what God is saying to you is that I need you and me to be on the same page so that when these things come your way, you don't get distracted or, de or, or let down or deterred. You, you, you got to stay right there. Verse 37, let me hear you. Jesus overheard it. He spoke for him. Verse 37 says that he did not let anyone accompany him except Peter, James, and John, James' brother. Not only this for you, my favorite part. For y'all in here who's going through dead stuff, what that verse says to you is you need three types of people in your life. Quit talking to all these folks that's full of mess and confusion. You need to find you a Peter. According to the Bible, Peter is the rock that the gate that the church will be built on. That means you gotta find somebody in the faith for real. A lot of y'all biggest mistakes is that y'all hang out with folks that want to tear down the gates of heaven instead of building the gates of heaven up. You need to find you a Peter. Watch this and be okay if your friend ain't Peter to put them outside the gate. Find you a Peter while you're dealing with this dead thing. But then you got to find you some brothers. The sons of thunder. The ones that don't mind not old clapping back when it's time to clap back. The ones that don't mind getting on their knees when it's time to get on their knees. You don't need no passive aggressive person that just sit around talking to you about what's dead. Ain't nothing going to ever change. God might do it, but he might not do it. You got to find somebody like John who saw the revelation of God, saw that Jesus Christ was coming back. That means that you got to change your friends because if your friends ain't received the revelation, then they're going to leave you in a place of illusion and delusion. Three friends is what you need. You want God to do it for you, that's the word for you. If you just want to be simple and quick, follow you three folks that know him for real. Three folks that he would take to the mountain of Gethsemane. Three folks that can see that he is the son of God. Three folks 
that know that Jesus Christ is the truth, the way, and the life. Three folk. Don't hang with them folk that think that God kind of can do it and that Jesus kind of did it and that Jesus might get to the end. No, no, no. Don't do that to yourself. Don't be confused with the folk that's on the fence. Find you somebody that's a flat foot, pick the side, and say to him that it's doing me, we're going to ride. Verse 38 says that after all of this, watch this. I'm going to make Bible says, verse 38, that Jesus now, watch this, tells the crowd. So watch this, remember the story. There was already a crowd with him that followed him from Capernaum to Nain, and they up on their way to the Lake of Galilee, right? It's a crowd. Watch this, another lesson, Elvin. The folks that saw the other blessings of God ain't necessarily set to see the next blessing of God in your life. Jesus said to them, Dion, stay here. Because I'm only taking three with me. Which is a permission from the Lord, Teresa, to let some folks go. Because while you saw God do what he did in my Capernaum moment, while you saw God work out my land days, this thing that I'm about to do in Galilee, you can't be a part of it. Who is God telling you to let go? Who is the friend that you got to set all ties with? Because all they are is a reminder that something is dead. There is no hope in them. There is no future in them. There is no purpose in them. You want to understand God's will for you? Then cut them off. Bible says, Jesus said, y'all stay. Now here's the crazy part Sky of the story. He comes and leads the crowd that was following him. Watch this. The crowd was obedient. That's all you folks that say I'm only human. Even the folks that was following him listened to that. Stay there. Did they move? No. Which means that if you hear God say don't do it, you can do it. That was a side note. Bible says that he was going along the way with Jarius. Now Jarius, instead of pulling away, stayed alongside him. Instead of listening to the bad news, he walked alongside him, which says to you and me that in order for this dead thing in your life to become alive again, you've got to remain faithful in the walk with him. He walks to Jarius' house. Before he can get in the house, there's a crowd. He addresses the crowd and in dealing with it, watch this, he's not affected by it. Because everybody there is celebrating death. Instead of staying in the crowd with the folks who were doing what they're supposed to do, Jesus said to the wife, the father, and his three amigos, let's go in. He goes in the house, and in the house there's another crowd. Which says to you and me that no matter what you do, there's always going to be a bunch of looky-loos waiting to watch you fail. It's what they're paid to do. But again, here's the blessing. Jesus gets in, and he asked him, what's the commotion for? Here's a lesson to some of y'all. You need to set a tie with all them folks that's talking loud and saying nothing. They always got something to say. Always got an opinion or a view. They always on Facebook thinking that they deep and they really said something and they as shallow as shallow could possibly be. You could put your pinky toe on them and just be able to just walk along. It's that shallow. The crowd is there in the house 
And watch this. Here's here that lesson for some of us. Jesus says to them, the girl is not dead, she's asleep. Story says that the crowd in the house, which says, watch this, that they were different than the folks outside the house because they had relationship. Which says to you and me, you ain't only, you're not only supposed to deal with the folks that's out your house, but sometimes you got to put the folks in your house out. Bible says that he said it, and this is, here it is, here it is. Kingdom, this is how you know who need to get out. Bible says that the, Jesus said she, she's not dead, she's asleep. And the crowd laughed. The laughter is a sign of unbelief. You don't need nobody in your house that don't believe that God is able to fix your problem. The moment they laugh is the moment you need to show them the door. Every time you're talking about God, it's said, girl, you said, it's a, girl, you said, girl, girl, Jesus, girl, no, get out. Girl, you just do, you doing too much. No, I got Peter, James, and I got John. I don't need you in your city. If you're in my house, that means I trusted you. You in my house, that means there was something about you that made me feel like I could leave my dead thing in your presence. And you mean to tell me the moment that I got God for real, the moment that the revelation came in my life, and I tell you that Jesus is the answer to the problem, you want to laugh at me? Baby, hit the door because there's no way that I can have fellowship with you. How can two walk together unless they agree? How can you be my friend if you don't see sanctification like I see sanctification? How can you and I be boyfriend and girlfriend and you don't see the importance of my virtue? Me and you don't need to be, boo, because if me and you are true, then we walk in this thing accordingly. Ain't nothing to laugh about. Ain't nothing to play with because I got a dead thing in my heart. Bob says, I'm done, Lee. He puts them out. Now, here it is, ladies. This is for my folks. This is what I'm going to do it for them for real. Two points. Remember, I said faith, right? Have faith. Have faith. Have faith. Don't be scared. Go in this house. Have faith. But it's dead. I've been gone long enough that a crowd has, has come together to put my baby to rest. Uh, don't be afraid. Well, what am I supposed to do in the house, Lord? After I got faith. Watch this. The Bible says, and then Jesus touched the dead thing. Lesson number one, Lena. Don't put your hands on the thing that God needs to fix in your life. When we got this bad, especially when it comes to me, y'all always think it's something you got to do to get in your life. It's always got, you know, because you anointed by God. And you just, if you just pick enough meal for him, he'll get it for real, for real. Bible says, watch this. Bible says right there, right here, that Jesus touched it. And when Jesus touched the thing that was dead, he gave it some simple instructions. Get up. I told y'all this thing ain't deep. We make it deeper than it really is. Get up. Well, wait a minute, brother. But it's dead. Here's the lesson, practical practice. That means that whatever is dead in your life, the word of God needs to be spoken over that thing that's dead. Before it, before it to come forward and be alive again, 
you got to have something in you that is living. Meaning you would have, you would have to have walked with him later. Not afraid to walk with him alone. Go through crowds to get to the thing in your house that's dead. Once you get to the issue, you got to hope that in this moment, all the stuff that you have to go through to get to the dead thing is going to be the thing that God wants for you. And everybody in here knows that God don't want nothing dead. He touched it. He said, get up. He touched it. He said, get up. What am I saying to somebody in the crowd? He can't do it for you. But here's the key. You got to feel his touch. And you got to heed what he said. That means that every time you sit your behind in them chairs, whether it's here or somewhere on 3rd Street, when the man tells you to come up out of it, you got to come up out of it. When the man tells you to leave it behind, you, you got to leave it behind. Every time you ignore what he said, you set yourself up for another dead moment. And after a while, God is just going to take his hands off of it. And let that dead thing consume you to where eventually you become dead yourself. The instructions are simple. Let him touch it. And let the word of God speak to it. To get it out of there. But Roger. I'm doing that. Well, what's the one thing that separates you from God, sis? Have you done your part to get close to him? Because watch this, Jarius had to leave the house to go to him. Which means that wherever your dead thing is, you can't stay there to get your blessing. That you gotta walk a journey, you gotta go some miles to get to the promises that God has for you. And the question I have for somebody in here is are you willing to do the work to see the blessing in your life? Everybody on your seat. No, it was a lot. I know it was needed. But it was necessary. And again, it says, 